Welcome to Thriving Through Menopause. I'm your host, Clarissa Christensen, an international menopause expert, author, and speaker. I help women go from feeling uncertain, uncomfortable, and struggling to experiencing a new sense of confidence, freedom, and vitality. My own story mirrors that of thousands of women that I have connected with through writing my book, speaking engagements, and coaching. Like you, I felt unprepared, unsupported, and at times dismissed by family, employers, and even doctors. That's why I created this podcast as a place of advocacy, offering facts, resources, and a community where you can become more empowered to take control of your menopause journey. Join us each week as we dive into honest, open, raw conversations on the topics that matter deeply to menopausal midlife women. From our changing bodies to our relationships, to dealing with menopause and aging at work and in society. My mission is to help you to tap into our collective wisdom so you can emerge more powerful, wiser, not just older, thriving and ready to embrace wholeheartedly the next chapter in your life. Well, welcome to another episode of Thriving Through Menopause. I'm your host, Clarissa Christensen. And today we're talking about something that is so familiar to many of us, and that is procrastination. And I'm absolutely delighted to have joining me someone who is a real expert. She's a clinical psychologist, but she's also better known, I think, as the procrastination coach. Welcome to the show, Dr. Christine Lee. Thanks, Clarissa. I'm so happy to be here. And thank you so much for inviting me on. It is my pleasure. Procrastination is something I think maybe everybody has experienced. But from your perspective, Christine, why do we procrastinate? I think we procrastinate because life can get very complex very quickly and that our schedules are limited in time, that we don't really have infinite stores of energy or infinite stores of time to devote to the things that we're even interested in, let alone the things we have to do. So it's, I think, a matter of either feeling overwhelmed or feeling afraid. And I think I like to work with clients and myself, working on myself in both areas, trying to see where we can reduce the overwhelm and where we can get rid of the fears. That's wonderful, because I love that it's that two side to it. And overwhelm is certainly something that many women who listen to this show who are going through menopause know a lot about because life feels like we're juggling a lot, aren't we? Yes. And it's true. There's a, it's, it's a feeling, but it's also the truth because uh, you have family, you have transitions, you might have literal moves of homes, you might have trauma. Uh, of loss, of grief, of shifts that you weren't ready for. So yes, there is literally a lot that we're juggling. Yeah. And I think that that does that sort of make women freeze? You know, we just stop in our tracks and, and we don't know which way to move. How does, how do we know we're procrastinating might be my better or bigger question in here. Well, I love the word freeze in, in diving into this part of the conversation because I do believe that we do better when we're in a state of flow or movement or 
when our energy is stimulated. And the opposite of that, of course, is feeling frozen or stagnant or stuck or paralyzed. Oftentimes people say, I feel like I'm paralyzed, but we're not really, it's a feeling. So that's the good news that in order to transition from a stuck, frozen place to a flowing, energetic space, we need to deal with our feelings. We need to address them. We need to face them. We need to talk about them. And we need to recognize them too. Sometimes we don't even know what's going on inside, but our body freezes first. But that's a signal for us to take some time and really take a look at what's going on inside. Yeah. And I I love that you've linked that to our wide range of emotions, because obviously anxiety, grief, shame, even anger are often part of women's menopause journey. And and you see that as a, as a clinical psychologist, you'll be seeing that as well, that women, older women may be presenting with this very complex mix of emotions. Yes, where the, the feelings get in the way of literal functioning. And yes, that's absolutely a brand new type of stressor. You might have been very able, powerful, productive, and then it almost comes to a crisis standstill. It's both a crisis and a standstill because all you can focus on are the symptoms, are the feelings erupting and on the change of life. Yeah. And some of those feelings, aren't they, Christine? They're so strong. I mean, I suffered personally from high level of anxiety, but you know, we're not used to processing possibly so many conflicting emotions that are changing as well during this time. I think that for me might be one of the unique features of menopause. Yes. And then you could understand why procrastination is an easy route to just get a moment, to just get a pause, to feel like you have some semblance of control over your own choices and how things are going day to day. But unfortunately, procrastination has its own consequences. So I do believe we have to take care of our physical body and our emotional and pragmatic body, the body that is doing things day to day all at the same time. And that is a lot to do. That is a, that is a big, that is a big order. It is. And I, I wonder how much of that you feel is part of why women say things, well, I don't have time to exercise. I don't have time to meditate. And there's this disconnect between what we kind of logically know and what we actually seem able to do. Yes, I think the disconnect might stem from our own belief about possibility and time usage. And I think some of that is rooted in how we see ourselves. Are we seeing ourselves as full of potential, as being able to create time where there doesn't feel like there is any? Or do we feel like time is running away from us, We don't even have time to schedule ourselves. We don't have time to put on the yoga pants. Whatever it is, it's that sense that there's a lack somewhere. And whenever we feel any twinge of a lack, we start to clamp up. We start to not feel like ourselves. We start to feel negatively. And then all of a sudden, our behaviors start to contract as well. We're not as active. We're not as enthusiastic. We're not as present because we're thinking about our state of lack. So part of the way I work with clients, young or old uh, or middle, middle of the road there in age, is to 
remind them of the constant store of energy that is inside, that kind of spiritual life energy um, that is always available to you, even if you're feeling anxious, even if you're feeling overwhelmed, even if you're feeling really tired. And But that's something that we need support with, and that's something that we need to really work with day to day. And that does mean putting on the yoga pants first before doing the other thing, reminding ourselves that we are the drivers of this energy and we are the protectors of that energy. And whether you're going through perimenopause, menopause, or you're done with menopause, this is this is a daily requirement of taking your vitamins, of getting the sunshine, of doing the physical movement, of planning your day, of thinking well of yourself, thinking good <laughs> things of yourself, and moving on. And knowing that what we decide we're going to head towards, we can get to. Exactly. And I think that you said that it's like you've got to almost like schedule it into your day, haven't you? And I think too many women have not themselves on their to-do list. You know, you'd look down, you wonder, well, me never and my important activities never made it onto that list because there's all these other things that they just forget. And it doesn't become part of routines. And so it just falls away, doesn't it? Yes, it does. But that is where the huge opportunity is, is later in life, we can find that there's this tremendous power and excitement when we do plan things. I myself am not a naturally organized person. I'm not a natural planner. I'm a natural complicator of things and issues and emotions. And I have learned that my planner is one of my best friends for sure. And when I do plan in a mindful, calm way, things tend to go much, much better. And I'm not saying that I obsessively plan every single day. I'm not that kind of person. So some days I I slack off and some days I just don't feel like it. But when I do, I know I can tap into the energy that I don't necessarily feel like I have at that moment. Because guess what? Three o'clock right now, I've recovered from this chronic procrastination that I used to have that now three o'clock means three o'clock that I show up, I show up for myself or for other people whatever's in the planner, I will do. And so that is kind of a built-in technique for relief, for knowing that there's some reliability there. Even if I'm feeling, let's say I'm having a physically a down day, I know that I can shift my plan because it's already planned, if that makes sense. Yes, I, I totally think that because somewhere in that day, that event has to happen, but you can have some flexibility because life has to happen around it. Yes. And we're no longer going to sink unnecessarily. We're not going to sink into a mindset of lack because we are surrounded by abundance. We are abundance even within ourselves. So let's just hold on to that and know that we can improve upon any situation. We certainly can. I love you talk about that energy within that sort of well of energy that we have. And if we cultivate that, how much that can help us. I mean, I've, I've been taking up Qigong again, and I noticed that in doing a very simple set of exercises for 40 minutes every day, that there is this routine for me, but there's also a lot more 
activating that energy. So I don't sit there going, oh, I think I'll do this or (laughs) maybe I won't exercise. But once I'm on that mat and I get that video out and I follow Lee's instruction, I'm like, okay, I'm here now. And there is definitely, for me, as as a bit of a procrastinator around exercising, that helps me a lot. Yes, yes. I would love to know how it feels during the exercise. For those of us who have never practiced Qigong, what does it feel like when you're in the middle of that exercise? It is for me the first and only time when I've that I really knew how breath and movement synced together and this flow of energy. It's absolutely incredible. Um, I've practiced yoga for years and never had that synchronicity with my mind, my body, my breath that I have in Qigong. And the movements are super simple on the surface. Very, very powerful. Yes. And the, uh, the word qi means it's that energy. And so I love just the look of it. Again, I've never practiced it, but the look of it is that we are consciously moving with flow. We're aligning with our own energy and we're allowing it to be both controlled and free at the same time, which I think is kind of the model I use with helping people to cope with their busy schedule, that we can be conscious and in control, but we can also allow ourselves to be free in spirit as we're dealing with concrete tasks and appointments and things to do. I absolutely love that, that sense that we are in flow, we're free, but we're still doing. And I I think that does actually, you're rightly say, sum up what Qigong feels like too. And it's a bit like the teacher describes it as think of yourself as being moving through water. And And it's kind of a strange thing, but when we are in water, we kind of move, but we're supported at the same time. And that's a little bit what that feels like. Yes. I have recently become a swimmer. <laughs> Typically, I'm more of a dancer, but because of the pandemic, the dancing opportunities are much more limited. Uh, but the pool became a really nice side option. And if you can think about your associations with swimming, it's the putting on the swimsuit, it's getting the gear ready, it's getting wet, it's maybe not the right season for swimming. But the practice of going swimming every other day has been a very powerful lesson in repetition, in allowing yourself to accept that things may not be just hunky-dory, but that they can be really beautiful and that you can get stronger and better with each day, that it doesn't have to be an effortful push. It could just be showing up time and again. And I think that's been a really lovely lesson from swimming. So I'm just going to riff off what you just said. (laughs) No, but that's beautiful. And I love that. I love that we can see those patterns beyond just thinking about our work life or our difficulties, but also see that in the things that give us pleasure. Yes, yes. And then when you build that muscle of seeing pleasure can be generated from things that we didn't think were pleasurable, you can apply that all to all other things. Absolutely. One of the questions I wanted to ask you, Lord, was I think menopausal women that come to me often feel not that there's a lack of information, but in fact, today, they're bombarded with information. And some of it 
is conflicting. And how much of that also plays into procrastinating? I would say, I would imagine that it plays a lot into procrastination because medical, physical information can very much be like a a black box. We don't really quite know what's inside or what to make of what we're, we're told. And of course, I think that confusion or that desire to procrastinate may just be a sign that we care so much about our health and our well-being and our bodies and making the right move. I, I do feel that sometimes we get a little too careful about the definition of what right means to us when really what is right anyway. Sometimes it's how it feels to our body. Sometimes it's what the doctor might be saying. Sometimes it's what the community is saying. So I think, again, we have to be the master of our energy space and our time and evaluate moment to moment, sometimes hour to hour or day by day, how things are feeling. So to keep ourselves just really at as close to our peak of awareness and insight and gut intuition as we can so that we can make sense of the facts or the pretend facts that are coming our way because it is a lot and and we're not trained MDs and we're not functional medicine doctors and we're not acupuncturists and we've never been through menopause before and it is it is um, it's a whole lot to encompass so the, the I think in my opinion the best thing we can do is to really again, keep sharpening our wits, keep keep steadying our soul and energy so that very few things can shake us. And when they do shake us, then we then we pay attention even more to those things. But from a standpoint of we can master that as well, not from a, oh, I admit this is where I collapse entirely. So we don't want to build stress upon stress upon stress. If we basically want to keep monitoring the stress level so that it's minimal to zero, so that when the bigger stresses come, we know we have the fortitude, we have the ability, we have the energy to tackle it. Yes, I love I love that because I think that's a much simpler way. It's not as simple to do, is it, Christine? But it is uh, a simpler model to follow than everything just rains down on me until I'm frozen or lost. And then we see women either not go seek help, don't speak to anybody, or they do speak to somebody and then they're just confused. And there's a a lot of advice that's also coming at them from nutritionists, from Facebook, from exercise until, you're, you're right, we just procrastinate and we do nothing or we do things and then we say, well, that doesn't work and dismiss the whole approach. Yes, and I think what's missing is that self-belief that we are powerful we remain powerful, we always were powerful, and we always will be powerful. And you're making me think that that's maybe why sometimes we get lost in in the pile of to-dos, because they're concrete, because they're noticeable, because we can cross them off. But we, we just as much, if not more, need to tend to that energetic power and that self concept, that energy, the chi, we need to protect that, know it and nurture it. Um, because if we're just tending the, to the to-dos, we will get exhausted and we will get deflated and we will become 
purpose. We will feel like we don't have purpose because they're just to-dos. But when we match our to-do list with where we want to go with our time and our lives, then that power gets restored every once in a while and it stays strong. Yes. And I think that's often where I think a lot of women, particularly in midlife, suddenly go, who am I? What am I here to do? And maybe we ask that more when we're younger, but maybe less so because we may have goals about our career that are different, goals about having a family. But as we get into this last stage, you know, I've encountered, and I wonder whether you have too, a lot of women who suddenly are just asking those questions. What now? Is this it? Uh, And if so, you know, where does it go from here? I would agree with you wholeheartedly that in my small sample of clients, I do feel that those questions are being asked by the older women and not by the younger women and by the older men as well. I I think much of our conversation is applicable to men. And um, I think the younger people, their, their concerns are, I guess, it's hard to generalize these things, but I think the concerns it's it's almost like they're still even in their late twenties and early thirties they're still trying to establish the concrete identity. It's still not well formed, and that's I think developmentally appropriate. But then when you're when you're talking for late forties, early fifties, and beyond, we have our identities really well established. Uh, there's a lot of history there. <laughs> there's a lot of experience. There's a lot of thought that has been invested and energy. And so now, yes, we want even greater alignment if we can have it that, wow, my time is really more and more precious, seemingly. And how are we going to do this? Because we now know we have more control. I think in the, in the women's magazines, I know once you turn 50, it's kind of all bets are off. I'm going for what I want to go for, right? Things things become easier, at least the, the, the celebrities say, that things become easier because we don't care about the other things that we used to care about. True. I think that's partially true. And I think that's what we'd like women to think, that there's this new age. But a lot of women are still struggling because they had such a well-embedded identity, you know, and this is kind of, we've been this wife and mother and what do I become? There's still that gap and that work that definitely needs to be done because maybe we can't finish work because we can't afford to financially or we are um, unsure of where we really want to go because no one's ever had that conversation with us. And then that's where coaches come in and support women. Yes, I think if you if you really do feel like you're starting from zero, which I always caution people, it's kind of like when you're starting with a new therapist, are you really starting from zero? <laughs> or do you feel like you know yourself so much better because you've raised a family and and um, grandkids also and had a career that you know yourself not from zero, but maybe you're starting at, uh, you know, really high in the scale and that, yes, we do need to get a great coach sometimes because when we pair up with great coaches, we do great things. So to, I think the only problem amidst all this is the, uh, the unwarranted fears that, that this isn't going to work, that there's nothing left, that this is only, only going to get harder or that I'm not going to be able to find my way. I think those are the only real 
downsides of perhaps this phase in life. Yes, true. How can women who feel stuck, who are procrastinating, begin to take concrete steps to change that? Great question. I love that question. (laughs) This is what I got into this field for of procrastination because the steps that I recommend are really quite simple and we all love a little bit of simple sometimes. So I've developed a five letter acronym of SMAC, S-M-A-C-K, to just remind people of the simple things that you can do to just get going when you feel stuck. The first letter S stands for simplicity. And so I always tell people to start with simplicity. Just get rid of the stuff that you don't need, whether it's a thought that you have, a worry, uh, an obligation that you're still stuck with <laughs> in your calendar. So some, sometimes those are the worst. Sometimes those are the things that just, I was, I was in a neighborhood association. As pleasant as it was, I really felt like I was stuck in it for years. And then when I was free of it, really life was <laughs> so much better. Um, but also, of course, we, we want to simplify our belongings because the more you have to sort through, the less time you have and the more complicated things feel. So get rid of the excess, simplify how your life goes on a day-to-day basis. And M would stand for mindfulness. And for me, that just means having your awareness reside in the present moment. Like you were mentioning about Qigong, that we don't get sidetracked by what happened a, a year ago or what's about to happen tomorrow, but that we really enjoy and live very fully and presently in the now. Uh, a stands for anxiety reduction, which as a psychologist is definitely uh, a love of mine to help people decide, oh yeah, that, that worry really was irrational. <laughs> it really doesn't make sense and it's not going to transpire. So to really calm the whole anxiety system down, to make sure that you're in therapy with a coach, listening to the podcast, reading the books, having downtime, seeing the people that you love when you can. And anxiety is so huge for women. I think that has now been rated as the number one concern for menopausal women, which certainly wouldn't have been on the top of the list maybe even a few years back. Yes. And these days there's a whole lot to be anxious about in real time and in, in real concepts. So yeah, I, I feel personally since nine 11 in the United States, I I've sensed the anxiety shift and change and it seems like it's boundless. And I don't know, that's just my own theory that nine 11 really shook people at their core and people began to shift their attention to family and relationships a little bit, but also to the fragility of life. And that's where a lot of anxiety comes in. But the, it, the fragility of life was really always there, um, even before 9-11. And I think um, we can just use that to treasure life and time even more rather than to ramp up our feelings of stress every day because we don't act at our best. We don't think at our best. We don't create at our best when we're filled with anxiety. No. And and of course, for menopausal women, there is a sort of added hormonal component which makes anxiety more prevalent 
in the fact that estrogen deficiency is is making people more susceptible even more so that sort of makes anxiety more conscious or i think maybe we've been living with it for a while and it's the hormonal shift dials it up in menopause yes absolutely then there's the anxiety of having anxiety and 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 feeling like there's no room for this there's no acceptance of this and how do i cope with this there are so many different levels of having to work with anxiety when that's the most prominent thing that you're working with uh c would be communication. And that's the wonderful thing of podcasting and saying what you mean and being bold when you do say what you mean. (laughs) I think that sometimes is a whole task for women. I'm currently studying with a voice coach and it's just opening my eyes to so much, just how the way we talk reflects what we're feeling and our fears. And to the trained ear, it's all revealed in just how you sound. So when we have the impulse to stay silent, to be in shame, to be isolated and not communicate, I feel that is putting us at risk for staying in procrastination or starting a longer path with procrastination. So if you're feeling stuck and you're listening to Clarissa and me today, find a way to communicate what you're feeling and be unashamed about it. Just be plain and simple about it and just tell someone, tell someone close, tell someone that you trust and you might feel that you've just unlocked a whole store of energy that you've been sitting on, that you've been thinking, oh, this is not shareable. But you'll find that most things really, really are shareable. That's something you'll learn in therapy and coaching, that when we verbalize and vocalize things, we get powerful. We get power over the things that we used to be afraid of. Yeah, and that has been quite a... continuous theme in this podcast over the last few episodes about communicating. So I'm so glad it came up here too, because you know, 70% of, of women there don't say anything about their menopause, don't say anything about how they feel or that they need help. They're, they're just silent and struggling alone. And that leads, as you say, to procrastination. It leads to a lot of pain as well, doesn't it? Because we're holding all this inside ourselves. Yes. And I was a partially a women's studies major in college. And so I was in a class, Women and Religion, so many years ago. And there was a whole section on the period and on menstruation and different societies taboo behaviors and customs and um, the ejection of women from society basically for the week of of flow. And I just think that was such a powerful section for me in that class. And it stuck with me because of what we do to women for this very natural, very powerful part of our bodies and our existences and this very unavoidable part. And um, that's just always stuck with me that uh, the isolation and the shame is something that is constructed. And that is something that I, I believe that we can free ourselves of. Yes, the societal stuff is going to be there. But internally, do we have to match our beliefs about what's happening to us with what society is kind of giving to us that menopause can't be spoken about, that we are somehow declining rather than rising or rather than coming into ourselves, that we can make our own stories about what 
the menopausal and postmenopausal phase will mean to us. Exactly. I love that. And I think that more and more women are doing that. They've taken to Instagram and to Twitter and are speaking out more than ever. And there's a sort of a movement coming. But you're right. It's obviously not a global one because we know there are parts of the world where there isn't even a word for menopause. And women are still there just battling with not being able to speak about menstruation, let alone being able to speak about this phase of life. It's just lost. And that being able to communicate, and we don't have to, as you say, take society's norms on. We have to find a way for ourselves to express this and communicate. Yes. And to believe it, to believe that the that it's really not there's no shame to this, <laughs> that uh, we can drop whatever shame we've learned because we have that choice within us at, at all points. And that that's just because of my, my personal message around procrastination. If you've been procrastinating, you can drop the shame around it because that's the way you begin fresh and that's the way you get your movement power back. Exactly. And I think that once we communicate, even if at the moment we're communicating with like-minded women, Suddenly we realize we're not alone. And, and I think that's a huge power for so many women globally at this, at this moment in time, whether that's with anxiety, whether that's menstruation, whether there's menopause. Suddenly we're thinking, oh, that's not just me that feels like this or is experiencing this. And so it flows both way. We give power to ourselves and we give power to others. And it, it's a sort of a two-way um, set of flow and conversation. Yes, yes, it's beautiful. And I think women's power has always been there <laughs> uh, for, 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 for all of time. And I think you're right that the internet and the things like Instagram allow us more f- individual freedom of voice and a collective, uh, a collective sound to make a collective sound. And uh, I'm, excited, I'm excited for what's coming and, and podcasts like yours where you're just, you're just focusing in, this is what we're going to talk about. Um, we're going to handle all angles of it without shame and with the purpose of helping each other. And what better use of our voice is there than to help each other? Exactly. Yeah. So communication rings very dear to me. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. You're lovely at it. Um, and I'm so grateful that you have this podcast uh, as, as a service and, and, South for women. Um, so K, moving on for the smack solution, K is my favorite. And that uh, for me, it's my favorite because I think it's the most important. It's kindness to self. And I think both communication and kindness to self are oftentimes forgotten in most solutions for problems because we tend to be doers. We tend to be overthinkers. We tend to be thinkers and stressors, but we forget that, oh, if you just say something to someone, the problem might be over. And the other thing is if you just decide, oh, I'm not going to shame myself into doing this. I'm going to decide I want to do this, that this is good for me, that I'm ready for this, that even if I fail, everything is still going to be okay. And my family still loves me and my friends do too. That's that kindness of self that sometimes we don't know until we're 50 and older. Um, I, I hope you get there before you're 50, but sometimes if, if, if you need to wait until you're 50, that's just how things transpired. But thank goodness you learn that being kind to yourself is your best tool 
for succeeding and for getting the things that you want out of your life. Totally. I just, I love that. Just like you, I love that because I'm a huge um, fan, I have to say, of, of, of not just kindness to self, but all that work around self-compassion and the work of people like Professor Paul, um, oh, his name goes out of my head, Gilbert, Professor Paul Gilbert, and the work he's done on the compassionate self. And it feels so appropriate in terms of how that flows into ending procrastination and being kind to ourselves when we're so used to not being. Yes. It's kind of the key because it helps us to start feeling well instead of saying, I'm going to feel well when X, Y, and Z occurs. Because then we're, we're putting off that feeling of wellness and that feeling of wellness is ours whenever we decide to access it. Yes. And we're kind of, aren't we, deferring wellness and, and our sense of joy in life onto external factors, whereas that's deeply inside ourselves. Yes. And when we remember we've got it all, everything turns out okay. Yes. And that it takes a bit of time, doesn't it, to practice kindness to self? I think sometimes years. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. From personal experience, it can be many years. But, um, But what a joy to land on the other side of that exercise to know that you have you're the boss. You're the boss of how you feel about yourself and that if you can keep steady, that you can be kind to yourself, that that has a ripple effect in your life with the people around you. And that that expands just whatever purpose you decide you have for your life. Yes. And I think then it, it also helps us to overcome procrastination, helps us to overcome if things don't go right, which they often don't, I mean, life has got millions of small failures every day of some sort, but we don't turn that back onto ourselves because we have that compassionate, kinder version of ourselves, And so we, we sort of are able to say, okay, that didn't work so well, or it's all okay, actually, I'm okay. And we move on. Whereas otherwise we keep on being stuck in this hamster wheel of beating ourselves up and not moving forward. Yes. I think that that connects with the first letter S of simplicity. It's kind of periodically we have to let go. And if we keep hanging on to, well, I did this and I did this and I did this and I'm responsible for this and this is coming down the pike. It's just one big responsibility bucket without the pouring out of the bucket and, you know, that that process of you fill and then pour out and you fill and pour out again. And we can't take that. Our bodies can't take it. And that's when, that's when you start having physical and emotional symptoms that you didn't expect. You don't know what they're called. You didn't know this could happen to your body. That's because your body is messaging you that you've crossed a line. And um, I think our symptoms, I, I think we should give gratitude to every symptom that our body sends us and, and choose to use our intuition to say, okay, how do we get rid of the symptom? But knowing that the symptom is a, a beautiful message to us that something has gone awry. It is. And I think there's a real gift that I want women to take away is to listen to the small symptoms, the ones that seem not so loud, because they're the ones that are telling us, hey, we're beginning to get close to the line and the body's being very polite at this stage. And then suddenly it, it turns the volume up a bit more and then we really don't like it when it 
has to go full megaphone because we really have crossed the line and then we're into you know, a breakdown of some sort, whatever that is, whether that's physical or we feel emotionally unable to cope. And that's because we've made life complicated, we've not been kind, and we haven't we haven't tuned in enough to the the message. Yes. You're making me think about K for menopausal women, that part of kindness to self is accepting. Accepting what's happening, accepting changes. Uh, with kindness to self, without the blame, without the regrets, without the shame. And that can make whatever transition you're making, maybe you're moving to your retirement area and you it could be a big, stressful, traumatic disaster of, of to-dos, or it could be, this is the next phase. I accept that I'm leaving one for another. I accept that things are going to feel differently and that the climate's going to be different, but I am ready to see where this takes me. This kind of open acceptance, knowing that at your core, you're still going to be very, very well. Yes, I love that. And I think that is one of the biggest messages, one of the biggest parts of kind of self is that this is not a is an inevitable journey. We we all as women are going to go on it. And it's probably, as many of my listeners know, why I'm so strong about pushing get back against messages that say, oh, you can have a body like you were 35 or, uh, you know, jump up and down like you were 20, which is, is against that. And so women get caught again and procrastinate probably because it's so hard. You can't go back. All we can do is accept and move forward. Yes, yes. You can jump a little. <laughs> yeah, you, you can jump actually, a little. Yeah, you can do certain right? things. You can do a lot of things, but you there's a there's a lot of messaging out in the in the midlife world about, you know, getting your body back and staying like you were young. And 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 that's not an accepting. Accepting is to accept that we're very beautiful as we are, which is of course linked to K again, isn't it? That we're being kind, we see ourselves as beautiful and infinite and powerful. And that's equally there when we're 50. And me, who's 60, you know, thinks, well, it's never been better, actually. Yes, yes. So beautiful, right? That's so beautiful. And yeah, I think even if you, let's say you, you're 60 and you wanted the body of a 30-year-old, the and if you're that person, that kindness to self is still necessary. So it, it really is. There's no way around needing kindness to self to make the improvements or the changes that you're desiring and to feel good. Because if you're fighting this shame and self-criticism, how are you supposed to feel good that way? Half of your energy is fighting. Uh, So that doesn't really make much sense. No, it doesn't. I love that. And I love your acronym. So if you just want to spell that out, it's simplicity. Sure. Uh, SMAC, S-M-A-C-K, simplicity, mindfulness, which is, again, being in the present moment, anxiety reduction, which is doing everything you can to make sure anxiety stays in its place. We, we just like with medical and physical symptoms, anxiety is something like it's a gift from our body to us, but let's keep it at a gift level. <laughs> C is communication, which we love, and K is kindness to self, which we all very much need. That is so beautiful, Christine. I love that. How do people... Um, who want to know more about the work you do and connect with you, get in touch. 
Sure. Thank you so much. I am procrastination coach all over social media, particularly Facebook and Instagram. I do Instagram stories as often as possible. And I enjoy that. I just feel it's, it's, a, it's in part a personal diary and in part a way to just help people remember we've got this. We've, we've, we've got, there's a way and that um, every day passes and, and we're going to be okay. And if your listeners want a gift, I have a gift as well. It's called the Free Resource Library. And it's, I, I assembled this many, many years ago. It's 12 items, individual items. Some are planners, some are templates, some are just references to apps that are available online. And if you would like that, uh, just text the word free library. It's one word, free library, no space, all capital letters to the number 44222. I know that's a little bit complicated. I will, I will repeat that. Text the text to the number 44222 the single word free library in all caps. Wonderful. And Christian, we will put your links and also that text in the show (laughs) notes for everybody who wants to connect. It has been a pleasure talking to you and learning more about procrastination. And I love SMAC. I think that is just such a great acronym for important steps that women or men as well, can take in their lives to break through the place where we're stuck and really be as beautiful and wonderful as we can be. Yes, Clarissa, thank you. You are lovely. I love your work. I love our, I love our talk, the, the one that we just had, and how deeply you think and care about this topic and this community of women and our world. So thank you so much for having me on. And um, to our listeners, good luck to you. Remember, stuck is just a temporary feeling. Thank you. Thank you for listening. If you have loved or liked this episode, then I would be deeply grateful if you would head over to iTunes and give it a five-star rating. My mission is to reach as many women as possible, menopausal midlife women who may be feeling alone, and asking questions. Why do I feel this way? Thriving Through Menopause is all about a community and our collective wisdom. You matter to me. Your feedback, opinions, and stories matter to me. And I would love to hear from you. So drop me an email, clarissa at clarissachristiansen.com. I genuinely want your feedback and your ideas on the topics that you would like to hear more of on this podcast. And if you are a woman who feels that they are struggling alone through menopause and you need more support, pop over to my website, clarissachristiansen.com. You can find free resources and you can book a one-to-one discovery call with me. Let's start conversation. Thank you once again for listening. Need me 
mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.